program is pre-recorded so our hosts and the staff at the radio station can take the day off. Have a happy new year, everyone. Leading Edge Medicine provides only general medical information. Since everyone's individual situation is unique, you should consult your own physician before taking any action related to your personal health. All content of this program is intended for general informational purposes only. Good morning and welcome to Leading Edge Medicine with Dr. Jerry Mixon and Dr. Samira Umet. Leading Edge Medicine is sponsored by Longevity Medical Clinics and is devoted to helping you feel and function better tomorrow than you do today by providing the newest and most advanced medical care designed to improve both your body and your brain. Leading Edge Medicine will keep you informed regarding the very latest developments in science and medicine while highlighting some of the Northwest's most prominent physicians, all while helping you separate the science from the silly and the facts from the fiction. This is live call-in radio at its very best giving you the opportunity to participate in the show. And now, here are your hosts for Leading Edge Medicine, Dr. Jerry Mixon and Dr. Samira Umat, along with their co-host, Lynette Morgan. Hi there, and welcome back to our number two of Leading Edge Medicine, Dr. Samira Umat. Uh, once again, gaining knowledge and getting educated at a conference in Las Vegas this time. That's right. So she'll be back next week to tell us more and fill us in on all that she's learned and what we can look forward to in the new year. Yeah. So, Well, I've, and I have tasked her with some specific things that I want her to pay attention to. Okay. And, yeah, so we've got uh, some interesting stuff coming up during the coming year. At all Longevity. right. That's exciting. Uh, this is Leading Edge Medicine, taking your calls now for Dr. Mixon. Here is the phone number. It's 1-800-465-8770. Answering questions uh, concerning diagnosis. Uh, maybe medicines. Maybe you're on something not feeling. You have some questions for Dr. Mixon uh, or just feeling old and tired and exhausted and wanting some questions as to what might be happening with you or a loved one. We'd love to talk with you on the show today at one 800 465 70. Let's head to Tacoma now. Got a phone call on the line. Lynn is with us. Good morning. Good morning. How can we help, Lynn? Well, um, I had shingles, a light case, last January um, mm-hmm. on the right upper quadrant of my face and scalp and was treated. And so it, it went away pretty quickly. But I was told that I needed to get the new shingles vaccine. I had I had the original Zostafax about 10 years ago. Uh-huh. And so my question is, when should I get this new vaccine? Most any time now would work. Um, okay. The newer vaccine is more effective. Uh, seems to work considerably better than the older ones. I had the older one, too. I haven't had the new one yet. I guess I probably should because I'm in my mid-70s and I don't want shingles. No. Um, well, it was a big surprise to get that rash, but I recognized it right away. Wow. Yeah. Because she had the vaccine, doctor, would that have, uh, it could have been a lot worse. Yes, yes. Her, she right? probably had a, a rapidly resolving case in part because she did get that shot 10 years okay. ago. But, you know, every immunization, people seem to think that, that immunizations mean you will never get sick with whatever you're immunized against. And that's just not true. Mm-hmm. As we age, our immune response declines. We do not respond as well as we did when we were young. And so the vaccines that we get for everything tend to lose their potency after a while. And the older you are, the faster it loses potency. 
And it's, it's kind of sad because the older you are, the more you need it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know? Wow. We're, we're at the highest risk of complications and problems as we get older, and yet our immune systems don't do as good a response to the vaccines, whatever the vaccine. Mm-hmm. That includes yeah. uh, the COVID and the shingles and tetanus and typhoid and measles and everything else out there. So... Yeah, I'd, I'd say, you know, go ahead and make, make an appointment with your doc. Um, it's not, probably not a big rush, but any time in the next couple of months, I'd go on in and ask for that, uh, that second yeah, vaccine. Yeah, it's, it's, two, it's two injections, isn't it? Right. Yes, it is. Okay. Uh, and, and they're usually a month or so apart. Okay. I had a huge reaction to the first one, so I'm not looking forward to it because uh-huh. I expect mm. the same thing will happen. What was your reaction to the first one? I had a very large local reaction. I got about a golf ball size in duration, and Ooh. it looked like it was going to break open and be pussy, but it never oh did that. Oh, my goodness. Huh. Okay. That's not nice. And that was 10 years ago with the old vaccine. Yeah. Talk to your doc about the possibility of prepping you with a dose of Benadryl. Mm. And then using some 1% cortisone cream topically at the site of the ejection just to damp down the reaction a bit, that might help. Okay? Okay, thank you. Good idea. All right. Take care, young lady. I I have... I have oh. one more question. Well, then, go ahead. Let's see if I have one more answer. What, <laughs> what, is, what exactly is relief factor? I hear it advertised oh. all the time, but I don't know what it is. Oh, uh, I take relief factor. I love it. I take it twice a day myself. Oh, yes. But then again, I own it. Yes. <laughs> so, so you are the one best to tell us about what relief factor is. Yeah, yeah you know, relief factor is kind of fun. Um, I created it probably 10 or 12 years ago. I had a patient who was a chiropractor. And, of course, chiropractors do a lot of musculoskeletal pain, back, neck, shoulder, hip, you know, that sort of thing. And he wanted to know if I could come up with something that would decrease the the amount of time it took for his, his manipulations to decrease the inflammation and make people feel better. Mm. So I went to the medical literature, and I found four things that... Um, were very effective at decreasing both systemic and local inflammatory changes. And they were resveratrol, curcumin, uh, icarin, and uh, omega-3 fatty acids. And they each work by a somewhat different mechanism. So the question was, which one should I use? They all seem to work, but they work in different ways. And since people's pain is caused by different mechanisms... Some might help one type of pain, but others might help the other type. And so then it occurred to me, well, why not use all four? Hmm. Because if I use all four, yeah, it won't be as cheap because you're you're getting the full dose of four different things instead of just one thing. But you're covering four different inflammatory mechanisms, which means the vast majority of people should get relief if they'll take it enough of it long enough. Mm-hmm. So I just put all four of them together. Uh, we tried it out in his clinics. We tried it in my clinics. They worked really well. And so I started marketing them first locally, and then uh, now we're doing it uh, nationally. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've got about 140,000 people a month taking Relief Factor right now. Wow. So that's, well, thank uh, you very much. Yeah, I appreciate yes. the information, and I will make arrangements to get that vaccine. 
Okay, sounds good. And if you want to take the relief factor, that's good, too, because after all, I make money on every one you take. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, my dear. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you for the call, hon. All right. Okay, let's head to Kirkland. Steve has a question for you. Hi, Steve. Hello, Steve. Uh, Good morning. Steve. Hello. (laughs) Yes, good good morning. Can you hear me? We we can. How can we help you, sir? Yeah, I, uh, 62 years old, pretty active. Uh, some months ago, started having pain in my right foot, and I've uh, just found out I have osteoarthritis. Uh, what can I can I do to get back being more active? Well, several things. Uh, one thing, obviously, is to do as much as you comfortably can. Uh, sedentary lifestyles make arthritis worse. It's something that's a, that's the opposite of what we thought 45 years ago when I was finishing up in medical school. You know, we used to say, oh, this wear and tear arthritis. It's really not. Um, the microtrauma of regular use triggers the cartilage and the joint to heal and grow and repair new tissue. Mm. And sitting quietly and not using it is actually what causes the degeneration to accelerate. Oh. Uh, the other thing is to get as lean as possible. Uh, if you're carrying any extra belly fat, get rid of it. Uh, we, you know, we often think of, of fat as a cosmetic issue, but it's not. As a physician, I don't care about your beach body. I do worry, though, about inflammation. And it turns out that abdominal fat uh, produces more than 80 different inflammatory pro-atherogenic peptides, enzymes, and and, uh, hormones. Mm. So uh, abdominal fat actually accelerates and and makes arthritis much worse. So you want to get as lean as possible. The other thing you need to do is to make as much muscle as possible. It turns out that while... Fat produces inflammatory cytokines. Um, working muscle produces what we refer to as myokines. Myos from the word muscle, the Greek for muscle. Um, working muscle makes more than 100 different growth factors. Things that decrease inflammation, decrease swelling, decrease pain, and promote healing of virtually every tissue in your body, including your brain. So you want you want as much muscle as possible. You want as little fat as possible. Okay. Um, and then, of course, if you're at a patient at longevity, we are going to go through and we are going to measure your endocrine support, and we will change your hormone balance towards muscle and away from fat as far as we possibly can to give you the tools to get leaner and stronger and less painful. That answers some oh, questions. Yeah, I think so. I think I'm pretty lean to begin with, but I think the, so. The fact that uh, I'm having some trouble uh, being able to jog and run, which I love to do, uh-huh. it's, uh, the osteoarthritis is not just in my foot. That means I'm probably having problems everywhere. Is that correct? Yes, or? yes, it is. In fact, um, the inflammatory peptides produced by a one bad joint actually increase your risk of cardiovascular disease too. Hmm. Uh, the the wow. inflammation doesn't stay in the ankle. It's actually released into your entire body. 
So that's one of the reasons that our clinic, we measure systemic inflammatory markers. And our goal is to decrease your inflammation in your entire body as low as practical. Okay. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. That's very helpful. You're welcome, sir. Take care. All right. All right. Happy holidays. Thank you. Happy holidays. Bye-bye. Okay, so doctor, what is the difference between osteoarthritis, arthritis, and I think there's another word, osteopenia? Well, yeah. Are they all different, completely different things, but bone related? Arthritis just means degeneration in the joint. Okay, and that can be anywhere. It's an inflammatory. So there's a lot of, there's psoriatic arthritis, Mm, there's autoimmune arthritis, there is rheumatoid arthritis, and then the most common is osteoarthritis. Okay, and that's what he was calling That's what he's talking about. Osteopenia is thinning of the bones. Okay. Okay, and osteoporosis is when the bones get so thin that they're prone to just break with normal use. Okay. Okay. Wow. So many different things. Yep. Oh, boy. Anytime you hear that that, uh, prefix osteo, Osteo. it means bone. Bone. That's all. Okay. That's all it is. There you go. All right. We are going to continue with Dr. Jerry Mixon and your phone calls. The lines are open for you at 800-465-8770. That's 800-465-8770. We'll be right back. You stay right there. Gracefully is a terrible option. Learn to live to your fullest potential. It's a lot more fun. Stay tuned for more. When considering stem cell therapy, it only makes sense to consider the only doctor with over 30 years of experience with pain management, including stem cell therapy. And that's Dr. Daniel Nelson, MD, with Eastside Pain and Regenerative Medicine. Here's what a satisfied patient had to say. I'm a patient, and you did my hip, and I just have to tell you how wonderful it is and how easy it was to do the stem cells out of the bone. I was a little fearful. It took me about two days of a little bit of discomfort after that, and it was wonderful. And um, I'm three months out, and it's doing beautifully, and I would recommend it to anyone. I just, I'm so glad I went that route, and you were so easy and so great with your needles that I barely felt you there. You should consider stem cell therapy, but call a medical doctor with experience. Dr. Daniel Nelson, MD, 425-823-4000. That's 425-823-4000 or DanielNelsonMD.com. Deck the halls with boughs of holly, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Tis the season to be jolly, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Done we now our gay apparel, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Troll the ancient yuletide carol, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Christmas music, but we're uh, getting a little taste of it today on Leading Edge Medicine. Hope you're enjoying that. And thank you for tuning in today and for listening to Leading Edge Medicine with Dr. Jerry Mixon. Dr. Umat is off this week. She'll be back next week. All right, let's head to Seattle. We have a phone caller that has a question for you, Dr. Mixon. Okay. Good, good morning, Ray. Good morning, Ray. How can I help? Good morning. Hey, Dr. Mixon, you have been pretty open about your uh, health problems. 
Mm-hmm. And so uh, you talk about progesterone and putting it on your face, and you've also talked about progesterone and helping with the prostate. Yep. So is that how you've kept yourself from having a large prostate? Yep, <laughs> it is. Because uh, I never yeah. hear you talk about uh, that is an issue that you've had. So I have a, a mildly enlarged prostate, uh-huh. and I want to keep it from getting any worse until I can afford to do the like the resume. My insurance doesn't cover it, but I hear that when I switch to Medicare, they might cover it. Yeah, resume is resume is covered by Medicare, but you have to look at which plan you have. Some of the uh, the uh, Medicare Plus plans do or don't cover it, or they'll cover it with some clinics and not other clinics. So what you got to oh. do is you look at when you're whenever you're going to buy insurance, look at the clinics that you want to go to, and uh-huh. ask them. Call their business office and ask if they accept that insurance. Okay. Okay. So. Okay. Um, so I, I want to get my progesterone tested. What would I be looking for in a range value test? Is that something I could uh, take? Because I take testosterone and DHEA right now. Uh huh. And. Okay, so you got a physician uh, who's who's prescribing the testosterone already. Right, uh, but I don't know if she's she's an ND, so I don't know if she's real keen on the progesterone. Progesterone, so yeah. what would I? Progesterone is well. That, about all you can do is uh, show her the show her the literature, or ask her to read. Um, uh, is there one publishing public publication you might read? If I went to PubMed, would I find anything? Yeah, if you look at PubMed. Uh, and put in the keywords uh, progesterone, male, and prostate as keywords. Uh, uh-huh. There are several articles published uh, five, six years ago that uh, that point out that uh, I think there was one called progesterone, the forgotten hormone, or something like that for for men. Um, okay. Yeah. Progesterone impacts the estrogen, the alpha estrogen receptors in the prostate. Um, the estrogen receptors in the prostate, uh, when you're young and you have a fair bit of progesterone on board, uh, it inhibits the growth of the prostate. But as men age and their progesterone levels drop, the estrogen alpha receptor now changes its function and it starts immortalizing the cells of the prostate. They live longer and longer and longer. And uh, since they're not dying as fast and they're still being produced at the regular rate, the prostate tends to get bigger and bigger and bigger, and eventually it starts obstructing the the bladder outlet. That immortalization process probably also increases the risk of prostate cancer. Um, you know, well, I just got my PSA back, so it was like way down at the very bottom. That's good news. Yeah, yeah that's the range. It, I mean, it was so, like, you know, almost nothing, but it, which yeah. is amazing to me, but... I, I yep. listened to Dr. Wright before he went off the air, and he talked about taking Sopimento, and mm-hmm. he had a study that he talked about lipopene yes. reducing the prostate uh, a certain percentage. So I've been yep. taking those for years. Okay. Well, it's, it's interesting, though. The, the studies are showing that lycopene in foods, such as tomatoes and tomato paste and so on, seems to work pretty well, and yet like pure lycopene as a supplement 
didn't seem to work for protection of the prostate, which I, I thought was kind of odd. What that tells me is there are cofactors. There are other things in the lycopene-containing foods that we have not identified. <laughs> so, so maybe that, I need to start eating some tomato paste more often. Yes, yeah, that's one of the things. <laughs> Straight I, from the can. <laughs> well, actually, I have had I have had guys with, yeah, I've had guys with prostate cancer, for instance, that we actually had them eat one of those small cans of tomato paste a day. Just put it oh, on wow. your salad, put it on your sandwich, you put it on. Add some know. water and some basil and ta-da, tomato yeah, basil soup. That's right. Yep. That's pretty tasty. Hey, yeah, it is. really is. Can I have yeah. another question? Sure. Uh, Absolutely. You're talking about um, um, the, that lady with the AFib. Uh-huh. You know, I had an incident at AFib, and uh, I just had a, 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 a pacemaker put in because my heart was going into bradycardia, whatever yes. you call it. Uh-huh. And and a couple of weeks later, I had an incident at AFib. I hadn't had AFib for probably 10 years. So they put me on um, uh, diltiazem. Uh-huh. And so I'm still getting PDCs, um, and they said they can up my diltiazem, or they could put me on my tropolol. So one's a right. beta blocker and one's a calcium blocker, and I was wondering right. calcium channel blocker, to, actually. Yeah, 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 well, yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, I was wondering if you had time to tell me what the difference is between those two. Well, they they do very different things physiologically. Um, the calcium channels are necessary for contractility of the muscle, and the heart is a muscle. You know, it's a great big, hollow, <laughs> multi-chambered muscle. Um, and so the, the diltiazem tends to decrease the incidence of atrial fibrillation. It slows oh. the heart rate to some extent, but not terribly. Uh, the metoprolol doesn't do, doesn't seem to do as much for the incidence of atrial fibrillation, but it does a better job of slowing the heart rate. Oh. Um, yeah. Diltiazem doesn't cause the depressive and fatigue as much as the metoprolol, though. Metoprolol will all will very consistently interfere with sexual function, trigger fatigue, and often some depressive symptoms in men. So I always watch men that are on metoprolol. Uh, so a, a guy that has any history of mood disorders, I prefer diltiazem to metoprolol in them. Well, I've been taking it for a couple months now, and I haven't really felt any side effects other than every now and then nausea or keeping me awake at night if I take it. Uh-huh. I was taking it at night, and I decided to take it in the morning. Sure. Yeah. They, yeah. Said if it, if they said if they upped the dose, I'm taking 120 milligrams. They said if they doubled that, that I might get away. I get rid of these eight, these um, yes, you might. that I have. Mm-hmm. But I and it's worth trying. What, you know, it's, it's just a matter of as the as the dose increases, so do the side effects. Um, that doesn't mean they will occur. It just means the probability of them occurring, you know. So it's fine as long as your doctor is monitoring you to go ahead and double up on the dose and see what happens. Just be aware that with the higher dose comes higher adverse incidence of effects is all. All right. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And You're welcome, sir. Take care. Merry Christmas to you. Yes. Merry Christmas to you, Ray. All right, we have another caller. Let's head to Burian, heading down south. Howard is waiting there, wants to talk supplements. Hi there, Howard. Hello, Howard. Uh, good morning. Yeah, question about nitric oxide supplements. Okay. Uh, a person takes, uh, like say, beet juice, which I guess is supposed to boost nitric oxide. Uh-huh, it does. It's just a temporary effect, right? I mean, it's going to wear off. Of course, off. yeah. So does it, it do it, any permanent help then to your arteries? 
yes, no, maybe. <laughs> we hope so. Um, we have a natural amount of it in our bloodstream anyway. Yeah, nitric oxide is is a fascinating compound. Um, we have a lot of it in our youth, and it is produced in many different tissues, but the, the one we're most concerned with usually is the endothelium of the arteries. The lining of the arteries produces right. nitric oxide, and it produces it in response to warmth. It produces it in response to sexual arousal. It produces it in response of sympathetic I- impact, uh, you know, fear, anger. Um, and it dilates the blood vessels, shifts the blood flow to our muscles, including our heart, uh, gets us able to run, jump, leap, cavort, run for our lives, fight, <laughs> whatever we need to do. Um, as we age, our, the nitric oxide production in our endothelium declines. And by the time you hit your early 60s, most men have lost more than 90% of their nitric oxide production. That's a big part of why erectile dysfunction is occurring by age 50 in half the men, is that nitric oxide production that dilates those blood vessels, opens them up, and allows the blood flow to the genitals is low. And so we use a particular nitric oxide supplement in our clinic called Neoforte. Um, and Neo Neoforte, I'm sorry, F. Four zero, Neil Forty. Yeah, and it it does a pretty darn good job of dilating the blood vessels, increasing nitric oxide production. Beets contain nitrates that that increase nitric oxide. Uh, right. Borscht is a great food. You would just want to make a nice beet stew. Yeah. Uh, you know, it works really well, and it's a lot cheaper than the commercial preps. But you get tired of borscht after a while, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Dose, so, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, uh, you know, I use Neo40 twice a day myself before I, my runs. I find it increases my, my exercise tolerance significantly by kicking up uh, the blood supply to my heart and muscles. And you think it um, would be more effective than, say, a glass of beet juice or a handful you know, of pomegranate seeds? I can't tell you which would be most. I, I've never yeah. seen a comparative study in which they actually, you know, looked at these modalities. I know they all increase nitric oxide. That much I can tell you. But um, I mean, with anything that'll increase it back to, say, our younger, to the levels we had when we were younger. On a no, I'm afraid that, you know, Aging is more than an attitude or just a number, as the youth, as young people that haven't experienced it like to fantasize about. Um, <clears throat> aging is harsh biological reality. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, time, time and gravity are they do bad things to us. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, yeah, appreciate the help. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you, sir. Bye bye. Wow. Uh, supplements are amazing, though, with everything that can happen. Yes. Things that you're missing and out of your body. And uh, yes, they probably ha- do. Th- any any of the supplements last forever once you take them? No. Or you have to take them continually? You take them. They, yeah. They're all metabolized. They're okay. cleared out of your body by your liver or your kidneys. So you read. You use them? them and they're gone. Okay. Um, one thing I didn't mention with this fellow, and so I hope he's still listening. Okay. Uh, have your doctor measure your homo cysteine level. Hmm. 
Okay, homocysteine is a quasi-amino acid that interferes with nitric oxide production. It actually it it prevents your body from making nitric oxide as well as it should. Mm. And as we age, homocysteine levels tend to rise. And so what you want to do is if you've got a homocysteine over seven or eight, you need to be talking to your doctor about getting on a program to lower homocysteine because lowering homocysteine will increase nitric oxide production and do it far more effectively than a supplement. Okay. All right. Good to know. Hope you heard that, Howard. We're taking your phone calls today. We have a half hour left on this hour number two of Leading Edge Medicine this morning. Here's the number to call, 800-465-8770. The phone lines are open for you, 800-465-8770. We'll be back, and we're going to talk about something that could help your brain. Listener was wondering about that, and we're going to talk about that in just a moment. And taking your calls, too. Stay right there. Listen to past programs by going to lmclinic.com. Today's program is pre-recorded so our hosts and the staff at the radio station can take the day off. Have a happy new year, everyone. No matter your age, if you are looking to decrease your dependence on glasses at both distance and near, I suggest you go with experience. Pete Talbot here again for Dr. Michael Gilbert at Northwest Vision Institute in Bellevue and Kirkland. He's not just my ophthalmologist and my wife's, my son's, my friends, and all my neighbors, but he was just recently voted Best LASIK in 425 Magazine and has been voted Best Doc in Seattle Magazine many, many times. So whether it's LASIK or RLE or Advanced Cataract Surgery, Northwest Vision Institute will find the best option for you. So if you're over 40 or 50 and haven't had an eye exam for a year or more, here's something you simply won't get anywhere else, an advanced ocular exam. Not that simple eye exam everyone else does. So to schedule your advanced ocular exam, go online at nwvision.com or call 425-450-2020. 425 I haven't heard the king in a long time there. Elvis on Santa Claus. Yes, so much fun on that. Christmas music. We're interspersing it here the next few weeks as we enjoy the Christmas season. That's right. Well, you know... I just took delivery on a new Tesla Plaid, <gasps> that little rocket ship that is being uh, imitating a car. Yes, <laughs> Tesla Plaid. Does the car's not Plaid though, right? No, no, no. It's the not interior's plaid. not Plaid. No, the outside is blue and black, oh. and the inside is white and sparkly. <sighs> but it's I'm st- I'm learning how to use the cotton picking thing. I, I just <laughs> it was delivered yesterday afternoon. 
and we've been playing with it and trying to figure out all the gee whiz gizmos. You know, I I bought a Tesla six years ago, and I've been driving my six year old Tesla, and I've been I love that. Happy oh, with it. when I see it in the driveway, I'm yeah, like, oh, the red Tesla. It's pretty, and it you know, it's it's nice, and it runs well. And I've never had a moment's trouble with it, and I've been very happy. And I was kind of questioning whether I really was making a mistake of getting this fancy new top of the line version. This thing is amazing. It's light years ahead of the one that I've loved for the last six years. Which was light years uh, ahead of everything else. Everything else yeah, on the road. Yeah. 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 Um, but it's got a feature that I'm still trying to pose on. It call, it's, it's called the Jingle Bell thing feature. What? Yeah. <gasps> and you push the Jingle Bell button. Okay. And all of a sudden, on the screen in front of you, you know, normally there's a car, okay. and it shows the lanes on either side, and it shows as you drive down the road, and all the cars beside you, and the pickup trucks and stuff. Well, all of a sudden, your car icon becomes a sleigh, and you're in a sleigh being pulled by seven tiny reindeer. Oh, does one of them have a and little so, nose? That's yeah, he really does. Oh, okay, and Rudolph is, is there. Dark. And so all of a sudden, your car becomes a sleigh, and all the other traffic on the road with you become yeah. reindeers. <laughs> And when okay, you when, awesome. and when you hit the when you hit the turn indicators, sleigh bells ring. Instead of going beep 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 beep, beep, beep it's sleigh bells <gasps> tinkling at you. Yeah, it's kind of so it's kind of fun. Yeah, so I'm just kind of wondering, you know, when uh, did they do this just for Christmas? Is are are my updates going to come along? You know, will will I be in a pumpkin coach at uh, at Halloween or you know? Ooh, what? Will you be on a surfboard in the summer? So, yeah, do they give me a surfboard in the summer? What little whales and sharks in the other lane? <laughs> yeah. Oh, so it's it's kind of interesting. So yeah, I'm I'm still learning to to use this car. Um, it's far more than a car. It's it's just plain fun. I love it. Okay, is it out in the parking lot today? It is in my parking lot today. <gasps> I'm going to yes, follow yes, you yes. out as we leave today. Okay. Yeah, i got to go check it out. <gasps> okay, very excited. Uh, here we are, Longevity Medical and Car car Talk with car Dr. Talk. Jerry Mixon. Well, let's take a phone call, this time from Rich, calling from Chehalis. Rich. Hello, Rich. Hello. Hello. Hi. Um, I had a question in regards to insulin resistance and the liver. Uh, let mm-hmm. me just explain my perception which is probably wrong but anyway with the muscles uh the the more muscle that you have uh the more ability for your body to uptake um uh glucose and so therefore the insulin resistance decreases so if you use the if you use the muscles more more muscle use muscle more less glucose in the blood okay that's my perception okay um but then I'm reading about or heard about something called insulin resistance in the liver. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seems to be a little bit of a more difficult concept to understand and maybe how to reverse insulin resistance in the liver. Okay. Well, let me give you, boy, this may take a couple of minutes, but we've got time for the next Of course, yeah. yes. All right. Um, when you and I were born... Our fasting blood sugar was in the 50s, hmm. and our insulin level was less than one. 
Okay. It didn't take much as we were very sensitive to, to insulin. And so whenever we ate, and first of all, of course, we were nursing with our mother's milk, um, calories would come in and we would convert it to sugar and the, that glucose, that blood sugar would, would circulate through our body. And that is the fuel that our bodies burn to stay alive. So blood sugar is critically important. Without it, you die in a matter of seconds. So we, we burn that sugar. The problem is that sugar, the glucose, glycolysates. It burns. It damages every tissue it touches. And it's not being carried through our bodies in stainless steel pipes. It's being carried through it in living tissue, our arteries and our veins. And so... On the one hand, we have to have the glucose. You have to carry it to every tissue in your body 24-7. At the other, other end of the spectrum, it is damaging the tissues that are, that is carrying it. And so your body tries to protect itself. <laughs> and so it wants to drive that sugar into the cells as quickly as possible, and hence the insulin. Insulin is a transport hormone that allows you to carry the sugar out of your your bloodstream into the cells, gets it across the cell walls to the mitochondria where it gets burned and turned into energy. The problem we've got is that as we age, we eat more than our body can burn in any given hour. You know, when you have a nice big heavy meal and you have pancakes or waffles and syrup and, you know, you throw in a 1,500 calories all at one time in, in a 15 or 20 minute meal, uh, your body can't burn that much sugar in that, that fast. So your blood sugars are rising. Your body is trying to drive that sugar into the cells to get it to, to burn. But the cells are saying, wait a second, I can't burn this much sugar. And so they resist. They, they actually try to resist the insulin. And so then your liver takes that excess sugar, that excess glucose, turns it into triglycerides. The triglycerides then circulate through your body, and they're taken up by the adipocytes, the baby fat cells. Ah, okay. And they store that sugar, they store those triglycerides as fat. And what's happening to us as we age and we're getting fatter is we are actually using stored body fat as a way of lowering our blood sugar. Because mm. the insulin alone can't do it because the cells are resisting. Okay. Right? And so when we pound our bodies with more calories, more carbohydrates, more simple sugars than they can absume, consume, and we do it two, three, four, six, eight, forty 40 times a day, every day, year after year after year, our bodies progressively develop insulin resistance. The cells are saying... I don't need that much sugar that fast. Come on, don't do this to me. Uh. And so we we shift it in our livers to triglycerides, which in turn becomes body fat. Okay. And we get fatter and fatter and fatter as we age. And the fat, damn it, kicks out cytokines, okay, adipose-generated cytokines that actually aggravate inflammation and aggravate insulin resistance. So the more fat we get, the more insulin resistant we get. And the more insulin resistant we get, the fatter we get. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> we started off with blood sugars in the 50s 
By the time we were five or six, our blood sugars were 60, 65. By the time we were teenagers, they were 70. Then it went to 75 and 80 and 85 and 90 and 95 and 100. And as we age, our blood sugars are rising higher and higher because... We're having more and more trouble driving it into the cells because we are getting more and more insulin resistant. So our insulin levels that started off at one, by the time you're a kid, they're at two and three, and then they get up into 10, and then you get up to 12 and 15, and then they'll get up to 25 and 30, and then 45 and 50. And pretty soon we've got insulin levels that are 50 or 60 times higher than they were when we were a kid, and blood sugars that are running 100 or so fasting. <clears throat> we artificially have drawn a line. We say, if you have a fasting blood sugar over 126, you're a diabetic. Your body doesn't know the difference between 124 and 126. <laughs> That's an artificial line. That, that is two standard deviations from the mean blood sugar. That's how that number came about. Um, but what's happening to us is as we age and our sh- insulins are rising, we're getting fatter. As our sugars are rising, we're getting damage to our brain, our eyes, our kidneys, our joints, our hearts. Rising glucose is glycolysating all of our tissues. We're measuring that with what we call the hemoglobin A1C. Ah, and that's what we do at Longevity. Hemoglobin A1C tells me how what percentage of your red blood cells have been damaged by your rising sugar. And so that gives me a, a picture of your average blood sugar over the last three months, because that's how long red cells live, three to four months. Okay. And once they're glycolysated, they don't unglycolysate. You have, <laughs> you're stuck with a glycolysated red cell until it dies and gets replaced by a new unglycolysated oh. cell. Okay. Ow. So okay. the cells are being turned over. So this gives us a, a good picture of what your average sugar is doing. At longevity, when we bring a patient in, We like to do a test in which we check their fasting insulin. How much insulin do you produce fasting? Hmm. How much sugar do you produce at fasting? What is your A1C that tells us what your average sugar is? Then we give you 75 grams of sugar to drink in something called blue cola. (laughs) Yes. You drink that. 30 minutes later, we go back in and we recheck your insulin and your sugar. By seeing what your sugar is at its peak 30 minutes after the glucola and correlating that with the insulin level, we can tell you how much insulin resistance you've got. Some people will run a peak sugar of, say, 130 Mm. and an insulin of 25. They have virtually no insulin resistance. Other people will have that same sugar of 130, but their insulin will be 120, and it takes... That that massive amount of insulin to keep the sugar down. Mm. That person's got serious insulin resistance. Okay. <laughs> and so wow. higher insulin resistance, at some point, your body cannot produce enough insulin to keep the sugar under control. That those people have high insulins and they then become diabetics because the sugars are rising despite the high insulin level. Okay. In those people, if we correct the insulin resistance, mm-hmm. the diabetes goes away. There you go. And about 7 out of 10 of new type 2 diabetics, we can do that. We can correct their diabetes by correcting their insulin resistance. Okay. Rich, was that helpful for you? 
I don't know. Good information. I think he went away. (laughs) He was taking notes. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. We'll be back with more of your calls in just a moment. We're going to talk more about longevity with Melody from Seattle when we come back with Leading Edge Medicine. If you have a question, here's the number to call 1 800 465 8770. Medicine. Leading Edge Medicine. Don't believe the lie that you have to fall apart at the normal rate and see what your options really are. Check out the free longevity seminars at lmclinic.com. Stay tuned for more. Happy New Year's, everyone. Today's edition of Leading Edge Medicine has been pre-recorded. Longevity Medical Clinic is happy to announce that Longevity Development, the business and marketing arm of Longevity Medical Clinic, has entered a strategic management relationship with Paramount Pharmacy. As a medical clinic, we cannot tell anyone where they have to go to fill their compounded prescriptions. We can only make suggestions. But for the last two years, we have referred our patients to Paramount Pharmacy. For three key reasons, excellent quality control, excellent pricing, and excellent customer service. And now, due to our new management oversight and relationship, Longevity Development and Paramount are actually working together to better serve our patients. A team approach to better health care. It truly can make a difference. And now, to celebrate and to convince you that we truly feel we can better serve your health needs while saving you money, Paramount has agreed to make an offer to all new patients willing to give Paramount to try. On your first First prescription only. Paramount is offering you a 90-day supply for their 30-day cost. That's right, a 90-day prescription for the 30-day cost. All you need to do is call Paramount at 425-251-1660. It's as simple as that. Call 425-251-1660. It's the most wonderful time of the year With the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer It's the most wonderful time of the year It's the happiest season of all With those holiday greetings and games Meetings when friends come to call. Oh, it's, the it's Andy Williams. Yes. And I love that one. Sing along, Dr. Mixon. You can do that. I love that. But you know what it is? <laughs> Dude, I, what just struck me, and this was a conversation with my, my nine year old recently. We had Christmas music playing, mm-hmm. and they sang about, you know, Young and gay, and they talked about, and, and here it was the gay happy Our, meetings. Oh, and the some, gay apparel, fa la la. Yeah. yeah, gay, you know, wear your gay apparel, fa la 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 la. Mm. Because gay has always meant happy. Yes. Cheerful. That was my middle upbeat, name. Yes. And, <laughs> and, but in her universe, gay means homosexual. Something different, yeah. And she said, why are they singing about homosexuals? You know, <laughs> I'm saying, oh. well, they're not. You know, this is a word that has been appropriated by the alternative left mm. 
And it has traditionally meant happy for hundreds of years. It meant happy, cheerful. And all of a sudden, it's a sexual reference. Yeah. And explaining that to a nine-year-old is difficult. Oh, I bet. And and sad that, you know, that all of these songs she's hearing in her little mind, all she can connect it with is sexuality. Is what she's hearing about. Which is sad. All right. Well, the word joy better not be taken or, yeah, we're going to be in big trouble. that's right. All right. (laughs) We're in Seattle and we have a phone call. Melody, hi there and good morning. Good morning and God bless you guys. I listen to you every week and I've learned so much. Oh, my God. I know. Well, thank you for listening, my dear. (laughs) I am so excited. It's the Christmas season and... I was trying to get all my medical stuff done before the end of the year because of the deductible, you know. Uh-huh. So my, I had actually three questions. Um, okay. The first one was, um, how is your test different from, you know, when you, your regular doctor does a blood panel? Uh-huh. Is your, I, I think you kind of answered that question in the former call. I did. But, um <laughs> Yeah, we uh, we do everything that he does plus a bunch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, he does okay. not check. He doesn't check your pregnenolone, your dehydroepiandosterone, your estradiol, your testosterone, your progesterone. He doesn't check your homocysteine. He probably doesn't check your high sensitivity CRP. He doesn't check your your uh, APO epsilon studies for your genetic risk for dementias. He d- I mean, none of those things. Yeah, wow. he's, he's, yeah, he's, he's not. Do- yeah. So there's a whole lot of stuff we do that is not included in a routine test, and it, it, it's really kind of funny. We had a I had several patients now that have come back to us and said, "I took my lab work to my family doctor," and he said. I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> I can't give you meds for that. Because <laughs> he's never run those tests in his life. Right. You know, they aren't, they oh, aren't the standard. Wow. Um, yeah, we are not, we are not just treating disease. We are actually looking at the, the factors that make you go downhill as you age. And our wow. goal is not, our goal is not to wait until you get sick and then treat your disease. Yeah. Our goal is not to let you get sick. <laughs> <For that. laughs> okay, well, I have a, a, a six brothers and sisters, and uh-huh. of the six, um, one passed away, and um, all of them are diabetic except for me and one sister. Mm-hmm. And I really watch my sugar. Yes. And um, I I don't buy I you know other than a piece of birthday cake on a birthday I don't sure. you know eat any cookies cakes candy I try to stay away from all that stuff. You're a woman of rare because virtue. You know that. <laughs> Good girl. I, I'm scared to death of becoming a diabetic. <laughs> I'm right. 64 and uh-huh. I'm a little overweight. But one of the things I wanted to ask you is I've always since even in my early 30s when I was I had pregnant and children, and sure. I have two two sons right now, and um, I always was diagnosed with a fatty liver, so I always had mm-hmm. high liver enzymes, and um, Dr. Kerr, who is my father's doctor, he was like in his 80s mm-hmm. when he was treating me, he used to say, oh, don't worry about it, you know, my wife has this, everything's okay, <laughs> and he would give me vitamins. 
V-shots because I used to get this uh, inflammation of the cartilage in my chest. Okay. But I was just wondering, do you, is there any supplements or besides losing another 20 pounds, uh, is there any supplements I could take to reduce a fatty liver? How do you get rid of that or how do you change that? Okay. Do you need the to have single, any information on that? Well, yes. The single most effective way to get rid of fatty liver is to get rid of visceral fat. I mean, that's they just go together. So the fat around oh, your see. organs, the fat in your abdomen correlates with your fatty liver to a great extent. Uh, so getting as lean as you possibly can helps that. Now, one of the okay. things that will that will help you with that. Uh, and it's a change that women undergo that most people don't realize. There are two kinds of estrogen receptors in our tissues, okay, alpha and beta receptors. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Young women have predominantly alpha receptors, and the alpha receptors cause you to put fat down under the skin. It makes that subcutaneous fat that makes you softer and rounder than men. Uh, the beta receptors are what men have even in our youth. So when men gain Uh weight, the beta receptors cause you to put fat down in your abdomen, inside your belly. Okay, and that's why you see that when men gain weight, we get a big belly first. You know, our thighs and butts don't get broad; our bellies get big, and that's yeah. the beta estrogen receptors in male tissues. When women go through menopause, or as you approach menopause, usually in your forties, what you find is as your estrogen levels are dropping you start shifting the types of estrogen receptors you have because the beta receptors are more sensitive and they will respond to lower levels of estrogen. And uh, so you start increasing beta estrogen receptors and women start putting fat in their belly too. So you've already put it now on your tush, tush and thighs and then you add it in your belly as your estrogen levels are dropping. Okay. One of the things we can do is to raise the estradiol levels and try to rescue your alpha receptors. Now, after they've been gone about 10 years, we can't get them back. But if we can intervene within 10 years, we can usually start increasing alpha receptors again and decrease the propensity for putting fat in your belly. The other thing we so want to do is... before too late? <clears throat> Probably not. It depends. You're kind of on the edge because it depends on when you went through menopause. You were usually looking yeah. for about 10 years after your last period as our as our cutoff. But I think it's worth trying even, even if you're out there 12, 13 years because those are averages. 10 years is an average. Some lucky people can rescue them at 15 years. Mm. You know, we just don't know for oh, sure. For oh. each, each individual is a bit different. And, you know, one of my many aphorisms is, if you try, you might fail, but if you won't try, you're a failure. (laughs) All right? Right. So I'm saying... That makes total sense to me. Yes. (laughs) So I say, you know, even if the odds are so-so, try. Do your best. Go for it. Yeah. yeah, Boost boost those estradiol levels, but also boost the testosterone levels. One thing that even many of my physician colleagues don't realize that a 20-year-old woman at the peak of her hormone production has two and a half to three times more testosterone in her bloodstream than she has estrogen. 
Testosterone is the primary steroid in men and women. And the testosterone shifts your metabolism towards muscle and away from fat. That blew me away. I couldn't. I was like, what? I need <laughs> yeah. testosterone? So young, young women have a lot more testosterone than estrogen. And that is why young women can lose fat easier than old women. But old ladies are putting all their fat into their belly because of the estrogen beta receptors instead of the alpha receptors, and they don't have much estrogen, and they don't have enough testosterone, so they preferentially make fat, and it goes in their belly, and yes, that includes their liver. How's that for a diatribe? Pretty good. Yeah. Is there a supplement? Is there any type of supplement that can I could take? There, there are some supplements that help a little bit, but they're basically the supplements that bodybuilders would use trying to raise their testosterone levels a bit. Uh, that okay. works with women to some extent too, but the the, mm-hmm. the most effect is just when we we give you what you need. We measure your levels. We see where you are. We add back what you need. That works best of all. Okay. Aww. Okay. And the, Thank you, Melody. Question was, uh-huh. Can I? Sure. I had one more question. Is that okay? We, sure, we have two minutes left. Two minutes. <laughs> okay. Do you know anything about, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly, but it's hemocrotosis. So our family is Irish, so we have, we release... Uh, yeah. Some of us have been diagnosed with that. We've released high yeah. iron levels. Yeah, hemochromatosis. Way, it, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's an iron. That the it, only way you can get rid of that is to give blood. Yes. Do you have any that, other? Uh, there. That is that is the standard therapy is to get on a schedule and donate blood every two to three months. Uh, yeah, hemochromatosis yeah, is an iron storage disorder in which you start putting way too much iron in your liver. And you can actually kill your liver. We don't so, want that. Yeah, so, we don't want that. that and Kelly, we've a, got a to run real quick. Well, ah. yeah, they, they, it can okay. aggravate your fatty liver. But my dear, we're out of time. Yes. They're going to shut us off. Okay, we, can't, well, we don't have a choice. Thank <laughs> you, <laughs> Kelly, for bye calling. Bye. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Oh, this is Leading Edge Medicine brought to you by Longevity Medical Clinic. Get in here for your free health analysis appointment. Go to our website, lmclinic.com, or you can call us at 866-86-YOUNG. That's 866-86-YOUNG. We'll be back next week. You have a great rest of your weekend. Thank you for listening.